Stripe Show podcast on a Wednesday. I'm Travis Fulton. Hope you're having a great week and you're probably wondering, Travis, what are you doing on my screen right now? It's Wednesday. Where's Froggy? We'll get to him here in a second. Froggy in his sit down interview with Harris English. It's a good one, folks. You're not going to want to miss it. Harris English, one of the 12 members on Team USA participating in the Ryder Cup next week at Whistling Straits. I will be there heading up either three nights and seeing a couple events working with about golf. I can't wait to get to whistling straights and I can't wait because I love the Ryder cup. Ryder cup is one of my favorite events of the year. Love the team competition, love team USA versus Europe. And I love where we're at right now, because right now, when you look at the Ryder cup, this event this year just feels like it means much more than perhaps what they have been in the past. You know, in other sports, like there's games and then there's this game is even bigger than the other games. We've got to have this game. It's a must win. And that's what it feels like this year to some degree with the Ryder cup is that this is a must win. The Europeans have taken it to the United States here over the last couple of decades. They've won nine of the last 12. They won the last one in France, kind of embarrassed Americans, 17 and a half to 10 and a half. Now, here we are, home field advantage, whistling straights up in Wisconsin. Steve Stricker, a native, and our team is stacked. My goodness, this is the best team that USA has ever put together when you look at the average world golf ranking. It's under 10 for crying out loud. On paper, the United States look dominant, but we haven't won. We've looked dominant in years past and the Europeans come out and they take it to us. Why is that? Why has that been the case? Well, I think we could all appreciate the fact that the Ryder Cup is a different event. The President's Cup, the Ryder Cup, it's a team competition. You're representing your country, alternate shot, best ball, then singles. You don't do that in any other tournament on the PGA Tour. This is an individual sport. You show up, you have your practice rounds, you have your workout, you've got your trainer, some got their chef, pro-am, got your morning afternoon tea time or afternoon morning tea time, you make the cut, you play the weekend, rinse, repeat. Individual sport, that's the way you go about it. You're trying to play at the golf course, you're trying to get it to the house and beat the other 143 players in the field. Now, this week, it's about a team. It's about a country. It's about playing for something that's bigger than yourself. And we want that to mean something to our players. I think the Ryder Cup, to the average fan, the core fan, maybe even the fringe fan to some degree, is as big as the major championships. I've been in this sport now for 44 years. I love the sport. I love professional golf. I'm a fan. I'm in the media. I'm a teacher. Ryder Cup's right there for me. It's one of my favorite events, not only in golf, but in sports. But I think in saying that, we have to be sensitive to some degree to what we ask of our professional golfers now over 12 months. It's a very busy schedule. A lot of demands. It's a lot of things we're asking top players to mean something to them. We know the four major championships 
are always going to be right there top shelf. You've got one in April, May, June, and July. Generating our schedules around that, the PGA Tour doesn't own those four majors, but they want, understandably so, their big events to mean something to you, if not even more than those major championships. In fact, we're going to call the Players' Championship, and we're going to put it in March, and that's going to be the fifth major. And then we're going to do a season-long race that goes through those four major championships, and we want you to participate in that. And we're going to sprinkle in four World Golf Championships that we want you to be at because all the other top players are going to be there. And we want Jack's tournament to mean something to you. We want Arnie's tournament to mean something to you. Respect those that came before you, Byron Nelson, Ben Hogan, and others. And then when we get to the end, we're going to play it off. And we're going to play it off for three straight weeks for the FedEx Cup. And don't forget about those tournaments that when you were first coming up, they gave you the start like the John Deere Classic, like the 3M Open. Maybe you should go back and play those as well. So we ask a lot of our players and they go through this and then you got the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup on the back end. And then, oh, by the way, the PGA Tour season just kicks off again and we want the fall series to mean something to you. We're going to Napa Valley. Then we're going to come back and play the CJ Cup in Vegas, the Shriners. We want all this to mean something to you and then figure out where to take your time off. I'm very sensitive to that. I really am. I think we ask a lot of our professional golfers and I think it's only going to get increasingly more difficult. The player incentive program, uh, the Alliance now, the PGA tour with the European tour, like the sports is getting bigger. I think the sport is healthy. And I think we got to be sensitive to some degree to the top players. So when we get to the end of the season and we start getting this new group, perhaps a new way of thinking perhaps at least a way of thinking that is more accessible for us as the fan to listen to and understand. And what I'm talking about is you probably saw the interview with Brooks Kepka with golf digest and Brooks had a lot to say as he usually does. And I appreciate the transparency. Let me let this be known. I love watching Brooks Kepka play the game. He's one of the best players in the world. No question about it. Modern game, long off the tee, can dominate a golf course with a driver, good iron player, short game check. You see the shot that he hit to win the waste management Phoenix Open on 17. The putter gets going. He's a major championship winner, four of them. He's one of the best players of our time. I love watching Brooks play. But when I listen to Brooks and I listen to his words, I love the transparency. I love the honesty, but as a fan and as someone who loves the Ryder cup, the team competition, it's cringeworthy. It is his attitude towards this competition and really a lot of things in general, Bryson, including and running his name through the public's eye and uh, rewarding people for calling him Brooksy by sending them beer. I mean, that's another story but just his attitude in general towards a lot of that stuff. I mean, I don't agree with, and I don't like his attitude when it comes to playing in team competition and in the Ryder cup, as we read and we listened to in this interview with golf digest. And I quote, I'd love to represent my country. I think that's fun. It's just maybe not in my DNA, the team sports thing. So even Brooks himself is admitting 
This is not for him, whether he's just too cool for school or whatever the case may be, this is not for him. Let's just keep this very simple, folks. This is about attitude. This is about, do you want to be there? And is this important to you? So as I finish this, where I'm going with all this, with these teen competitions, because I love them. And I think it means something to really most everyone who follows this game. This is a big event. It was big when I was younger. I go back to Justin Leonard making that big putt, the miracle, Ben Crenshaw in the interview when something special is coming. This is a huge event. It's fun. I don't want Brooks Kepler there if he doesn't want to be there. So this task force that we have, these captains that we have, can we create a situation where, yes, have your points, have your automatics, have your picks, but can we field 12 people on our team that have the right attitude, that want to be there, that understand the team competition for a week, and that want to play for something perhaps a little bit bigger than themselves, and that's the United States of America. That's all I ask. I love Brooks. I like watching him play. I don't like his attitude, and particularly towards representing team USA in a team competition. We can absorb that. Team USA needs a leader. Steve Stricker, step up. Sit down those who don't want to be there. Make an example out of them. Can we field 12 guys that want to be there, part of the team composition, and represent the USA? That's all I ask. I think we can. Football teams lose their top running back. Safety, they can absorb that. Team USA is stacked. We can absorb that. I think Patrick Reed would like to be there. Team USA. I think this would mean something to Kevin not to. I think this would mean something to Kevin Kisner. In fact, I think it would mean the world to them. And that's hard for me to say because I don't think Kevin Kisner should be on the team. But at this point, I don't care. I want someone that wants to be there. Mean something to them. It's going to do what it takes. Represent the country. It's bigger than you. That's all I ask. Can we put that together? It doesn't seem complicated. 12 guys, good attitude all moving towards the same direction. And it's amazing if you can do that with the skill sets that you have, things loosen up. We all want to be here. Let's go. That's my rant here on a Wednesday morning, Froggy Wednesday. You know who does want to be there? Harris English. And he joins Froggy right now on the Stripe Show podcast. Welcome into another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. It is Froggy Wednesdays, and this one is going to be extra special. I'm telling you right now, no doubt, this is it. We've been trying to put this together for a while, and it actually worked out better the way that we're going to have it now. But welcome to the Stripe Show podcast. It's brought to you by Encore Golf. Encore designs high-performance golf balls for players of all skill levels, all swing speeds. Get fitted for your perfect golf ball right now at EncoreGolf.com. Our guest today, somebody, like I said, we've been trying to get on the podcast for a while. We had it nailed down, and then we had the weather uh, up in New Jersey during the FedEx Cup playoffs. And now I, I, I just had a feeling it was going to work out like this. Ladies and gentlemen, four-time PGA Tour winner, two times in 2021, number 11 in the World uh, Golf Rankings, member of the Ryder Cup team, ladies and gentlemen, Harris English, Georgia Bulldog on the Stripe Show podcast. Good morning, man. Froggy, thanks for having me, man. I, I know uh, 
we, we couldn't couldn't link up the past couple of weeks, but uh, like you said, I think this is a good week for it. Got a little downtime and uh, prepping for the Ryder Cup next week, so I feel like we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it downtime. I mean, you must just be on a career high right now. I know you've had a great year in 2021, and you had to know that this phone call was coming. Ryder Cup competition starts one week from this Friday. And I know you've already been out and practice with the guys. And and w- what does it mean to you to be on a Ryder Cup team? And it's it's incredible. I mean, uh, I got to play on a Walker Cup team in 2011. That was a huge goal of mine um, from amateur golf, collegiate golf. I mean, I always had that as one of my goals and uh, made that team. But uh, to make a Ryder Cup team is is incredible. I mean, obviously, it's been on my radar for the last 10 years as I've been a professional, but uh was really close to, to making it this year. This is, this is by far my best season on the PGA Tour and, and really the most consistent past two years um, of my PGA Tour career. So um, it's just kind of icing on the cake for, for a great year. Um, getting back in the winner's circle and just means a lot more to, to be picked for a Ryder Cup team and, and be able to represent your country. You know, you use the word goals there. And before the season starts, do you sit down and whether it's in your head or maybe it's on your phone, you make a note or, or whether it's on paper, do you make preseason goals before the season starts? I, I do a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously getting in the tour championship every year is, is a big goal of mine because it means you're playing some really good golf and, and getting to Atlanta every year, ending the season at that tournament, you get in all the majors, you get in all the world golf championships, and obviously you're playing some really good golf to be in the in the top 30 final rankings. But I, I don't necessarily make saying winning majors or winning golf tournaments. I, I feel like every week my goal for that week is to get in contention and and with nine holes to play, have have a chance to win the tournament, whether that's two shots, three shots, four shots from the lead getting getting in contention every week is is always a goal of mine and and really whatever becomes of that it, it happens i i don't i don't really set out saying i, I want to win this many tournaments i want to win these majors i mean obviously playing in the Ryder cup having stricker as a captain um we're great friends and he's been a big mentor of mine a, a great friend of mine for really my my 10 years on tour so that that is that was obviously one of the goals in the back of my mind, but it, it's hard to fill in the gaps of getting there. And and for right. me, getting in contention a lot, getting back in the winner's circle, having a chance to win a, a good many golf tournaments this year helps fulfill that goal. I mean, let's be honest. You should have won three times. I'm not putting it on you that you didn't win that third time. I think we all know as golf fans, watching that tournament on television, exactly what happened there and being on the clock completely uh, changed your um, changed the way you had to play the rest of that round. You were playing in a hurry. You were in a hurry from green to tee, and it really, really changed. It could have been three wins and could have been an even better season than it already was, which was a significantly great season. And number 11 in the official world golf rankings to be the number 11, the 11th ranked player in the world. I mean, do you ever sit down and think about that? That according to these rankings, there's only 10 people in the world that play golf better than Harris <laughs> Yeah, to me, to me, it's just a number. Um, I mean, there's a lot of good players on the PGA Tour, on the European Tour, and I know any given week, anybody can win. So to me, that's just a number. I mean, it's 
it was cool to crack the top 10. I think I was 10th at one point. So yeah, that, that's cool. But that's, that's never really a goal of mine. Um, I just love competing. I love trying to be in tournaments every single week. And, and to me that that's just a number of, I know, I mean, gearing up for the, the Ryder cup on paper. Yes. We're the much better team. The rankings say that the stats may say that, but it's still golf and it's it match play and anything can happen. And that's the way I, I kind of look at it. I mean, uh, yeah, I'd love to be number one in the world, but I wouldn't say that's a goal of mine. Uh, right. Once again, that's a culmination of doing a lot of the right things and, and playing some good golf and having a chance to win a lot of golf tournaments. So um, yeah, it is cool, but I don't, I don't sit there at night thinking about, yeah, I'm the 11th best player in the world. Um, I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to work on, my craft on the golf course of, of trying to do things every single day to get better and, and uh, see, see how far I can climb. You know, Harris, maybe you can explain it before we delve deeper in, into the Ryder cup, because there is so much to talk with, with Ryder cup right around the corner and you guys getting prepared for it. As far as going back to, 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 I don't think the average person and including myself understands what being on the clock means and how that affects your play in between shot to shot, hole to hole. Yeah, it's it's one of my pet peeves on the PGA Tour of I don't necessarily think I'm a slow player, but when you play in threesomes on Thursday and Friday, like the round is really slow. I mean, it, no matter how you shake it out, we're going to play in four hours and 50 minutes to five hours every single time. Wow. So you get in a certain rhythm of you're waiting a lot. You feel like you can take your time on some important shots um, because during the round, there's you have some easy shots where you don't have to think about a whole lot and you have some shots that are pretty crucial, either if water's involved or a tough tee shot where you need to be hundred percent committed to it and know the number and know exactly what shot. So sometimes that takes a little longer to get that commitment level than other shots where it's an easy chip an easy 30 foot straight uphill putt. Like that doesn't take a whole lot of time. Um, right. But yeah, being on the clock, is not a whole lot of fun because I, I don't like feeling rushed when I'm playing golf and you want to, you want to be able to have that conversation with your caddy to calm down and talk about other stuff besides golf. And I feel like when you're on the clock, it kind of throws that away. It throws off your rhythm. Um, you're having to eat, eat faster, drink faster. All right do everything. everything faster. I mean, walking, walking from the green to the tee should be a time to kind of gather your rhythm, hang out with your caddy a little bit, talk to your other playing partners, um, kind of enjoy the round a little more. And right. when you're on the clock, you have no time for that. It's, it's all business the whole time. Speed walking in the next shot. It's just, it, it's tough. I mean, I, I understand why we're in that situation. I understand why there is a time limit. Um, because guys would would take their sweet time on every single shot. I mean, a lot of guys would abuse it. I'm I'm not a guy that would abuse it. And and some people would say like, well, you would have taken that fine or whatever or, or the shot penalty. I mean, if you would have just slowed down and and won by four shots, you would have gladly taken a one shot penalty and still won the tournament. But that's that's not really how I operate. I want to be fair to everybody in the field and I know that you have to play golf in a certain number of seconds and I was trying to abide by that and yet it got me out of rhythm it rushed me and but 
if I didn't go through that in that situation, I probably wouldn't have changed anything in my routine when I get under the gun like that on the clock. Um, so you will change something moving forward? Yeah, yeah. It's more um, my caddy. How do you work ball. on that? Yeah, it's more I, I can't really change anything in my routine, but you got to speed up the process of getting the number, getting the carry number, getting the pin number, and and speed up the process of how far you want to hit it. And some holes that might be my caddy walking ahead and getting me the ball faster. So he'll have the number right when I get there instead right. of spending the 10 to 15 extra seconds walking off from a yardage marker, going through the yardage book. Like he'll already, he'll, he'll save me probably 15 to 20 seconds by doing that. So I can go through my routine and, and not have to feel rushed doing all that, the process. I just feel like it's unfair to put the whole group on the clock where if there's one person who uh, tends to be playing slower than the other player or players in the group, then that guy should be put on the clock or penalize a shot or, or, or whatever they decide to be. But to, to penal, to, to let one person spoil it for all three, which could end up costing somebody a tournament, which did happen. Uh, I don't feel like that's fair, but then once again, I, I don't have all the answers and you're playing out there and you see it much better than we do. Yeah, and I, I talked to a couple of rules officials after it happened um, the next few days, and obviously they were very apologetic, saying like they obviously didn't want that to happen, and and but they had to do it. They had to put us on the clock. But I, I think more and more you're going to start seeing individual guys get timed, like you said, of of if one guy's playing slow, it shouldn't be the whole group's fault to get back in position. So I, I think you're going to see more and more the the slower guys getting timed individually, which I think will help out and all it's fair to the other playing partners in the group. Right. I agree a hundred percent, but uh, let, let's get into Ryder cup. Cause I mean, it really truly is. It, it's something special. We as Americans look forward to it every single uh, couple of years that we get the Ryder cup. I know the Europeans, it, for some reason, it feels like it's such a huge deal to the Europeans. They usually show up every time. You know, Ian Poulter, for example, Ian Poulter shows up for Ryder Cup like nothing else. I mean, it's unreal. Uh, do you do you feel that with this team? Does it feel like something special as you guys have already been together once at least? Yeah, I feel like the the urgency is there. And I've never played on a Ryder Cup team before, but we haven't fared very well in the Ryder Cups, the, the previous Ryder Cups. I don't know what the record is, but I think you got a lot of, of fresh blood in there, a lot of younger guys um, that that don't have that bad taste in their mouth of, of losing to the Europeans. You have a lot of guys on the team. I was talking on the past week of uh, they played some Walker Cups and, and crushed the GB&I team. So I, I think they're, they're ready to go. And... Um, uh, I think uh, I think it's going to be a fun team. We got great camaraderie, and I think everybody is is ready to go. and And had had some great practice rounds up there. But um, we love playing for Steve Stricker. Um, he gave us a couple couple rah rah moments this weekend, and awesome. um, we just we understand what it means to him, and we understand what it means to to be one of the 12 guys playing for this country and, and how big this event is. So I think we'll be ready to go. I think everybody's going to come back this week and, and prep and get ready for it and, and show up ready to go. So how and when did you find out? Did you get that call and how'd it go? Yeah, uh, I can't remember what day it was. But it was 
either Monday night or Tuesday after the tour championship. Um, I had a good feeling that I was going to get picked. Um, nobody had told me officially that I was going to be on the team. I'd played some with, uh, Justin Thomas and, and Jordan the previous weeks. And they were kind of asking me like who I'd want to play with and all that. And I'm like, guys, I don't even know if I'm getting picked. So that'd be the first thing. It's like, if I'm on the team, these are the guys I feel like I, I should play with or, or would, would gel with. But um, being up there in the points rankings, I, I've had a great relationship with Strick and and Davis Love, Zach Johnson, being from down here, being vice captains. Um, know a lot of the guys on the team. Um, obviously, being the younger guys, I've, I've have played a lot of golf with them, played on the Walker Cup team with Cantlay and, and Jordan Spieth. So, um, I feel like I fit with those guys really well. And, uh, but it was, it was a great phone call. It was lucky that I was looking at my phone when Strick called, I had his number in my phone and I, I knew it was going to be a, a good phone call as opposed to, Hey, calling me to say, I'm not going to be on the team. Um, but it was great. Um, obviously he's, he's very excited about it. He's very excited about the guys he, he picked and, and loves the team. So I'm, I'm, uh, happy to be playing for him and i know he's going to be putting 100 percent effort into it were you home when that call came through or were you out somewhere with the family <laughs> no i was i was actually home we were, we were in the kitchen and i don't know like like i said it was kind of a weird was it one of those that comes up on the phone and you kind of show it to your wife like look yeah that, that's different. exactly that's exactly what happened like oh strict's calling i i need to answer this and uh it was great it, it wasn't too long of a conversation i know he had a busy day of a calling the guys making the hard phone calls where guys weren't on the team and then calling all the six guys that made the team. So I, I know he was busy and taking care of a lot of business, but, uh, man, it was, it was very relieving to get that phone call and, and know for sure that I was on the team. Well, it's definitely well-deserved. That's for sure. I mean, it was, it was a great season. Uh, and, and it, it's something you deserve to be rewarded with and something that I know you don't take lightly and that you will give your all. Um, what was that first practice session like you guys had this week? So you guys met over the weekend? We did. We did. Um, it, it was more kind of getting everybody familiar with the course, making it easier for next week when we go there to, to not have to feel crammed of, of playing all these practice rounds, prepping for the course. So it gave us a great idea of how it's going to be playing, what, what shots to work on, and uh, we played a little bit alternate shot. I mean, we never play alternate shot. So we, we played a little bit of that, figuring out which guys should tee off the odds, which guys should tee off the evens, and, and kind of figuring out, I feel like I have three or four guys that I can play with, but uh, kind of narrowing it down on, on who's going to play with who. And um, I don't know if Strick wants me to divulge that right now. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're just we're making the prep easier for next week of, of not feeling crammed. We got a lot of stuff and then we just got the schedule today of a lot of, a lot of dinners, a lot of you know, the opening ceremony. And there, there's a lot more going on next week than just golf, but, but it's stuff you have to do and you got to prioritize your time and it, and it, and it kind of helps us not have to spend six, seven hours at the golf course every day where we can rest and um, get ready for the tournament because some guys playing 36 a day. I mean, it's, this uh, jam-packed golf, and uh, you got to be well rested for the for the tournament. Now, the golf course is it playing long? Is is the rough down? Is it high? Like how exactly? 
who, who do you see benefiting the most from the golf course setup? Yeah. Uh, the, the rough was, was not that high. Um, fairs, fairways are pretty generous. Um, it, it's a, it's a great puzzle piece of some short holes where you can send it up there close to the green, but the bunker is really penal and, and holes where you're smashing driver and having six or seven iron in the green. Um, so what I could see is if, if you miss greens out there, it's going to be really penal because the rough terrain around the greens, yeah, they have bunkers, but it's not normal bunkers that you see in, in America. I mean, you can get some really nasty lies. I mean, Pete Dye did the golf course. So you're going to have some really quirky lies. Some, you could be in the four to five inch Heather. You could be, on a downslope of a bunker trying to hit it, trying to launch it 10 feet up in the air. So that's what I could see is, is this going to really benefit the team that hits the most screens in regulation? And um, I would say the fairways aren't, aren't really hard to hit. Um, mm -hmm. But if you do miss the fairway, it's going to be really penal. Now, what about the weather? I know we're still, you know, like I said, almost 10 days out or, or not quite, but um, as far as the weather, it could be cold. The wind can blow like crazy there, as we know. Uh, have you, what are you guys expecting there? Yeah. I mean, we're kind of expecting anything. I mean, I, I guess the, the future forecasts say it's going to be pretty nice lows in the mid to upper fifties and, and highs in the mid seventies. So oh, that's gorgeous. Uh, I guess, I guess up there it can change at any moment. And we kind of saw that a little bit this weekend of a couple of times it kind of misted rain, got windy, and then the sun would come out and the wind would die down and, uh, the mosquitoes coming out. That was, uh, I didn't realize there's that many mosquitoes up there, but we're, we're kind of rolled up here in our neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to bring our thermal gear. We're going to bring our rain stuff. I mean, you got to be prepared for anything, but, but hopefully the weather's going to be nice. Hopefully the, the course will firm up. I know they want the greens to, to firm up and, and make it even harder to, to hit the greens. I know uh, Stricker's the coach. You've got Phil, Freddie, Jim Furyk, Davis Love the Third and Zach Johnson are all the uh, vice captains and assistant coaches that are helping. What kind of tone has been set with the team as you guys, you know, got together this weekend and moving forward? Yeah, I mean, Strick's a pretty serious guy. I mean, he he doesn't really talk a ton or cut up a ton. Like it's it's pretty serious. And then. Like uh, Jim Furyk, I, I walked around a lot with him, and he's very much the same mindset Davis is as well. And then you got Phil Mickelson, who is the fun, joking, likes to cut up. So, so you got a, a lot of and Freddie Couples as well. Like he he loves to joke around and cut up. So you got a lot of different personalities in there, but they all respect each other, and they all respect that this is Stricker's show to run right now, and everybody's rallying around him and however he wants to run it, we're going to be there supporting him a hundred percent and being behind him. So it's, it's, it's cool having a lot of those legends in the game being vice captains, the guys that I grew up watching and, and right. respected it. It's, it's really cool to be in the team room with them, kind of listen to their advice. And um, because a lot of those guys have, have played tons of Ryder cups, they've been in my shoes before they know what I'm going to be feeling on the first tee um, so it's cool to, to have those guys bounce questions off of and, and being able to help as much as possible. Now, as far as the team, 
chemistry. Obviously, it's been talked about the elephant in the room. You saw it firsthand this past week. Is there any tension between Bryson and, and Brooks, or is there, does that appear to really have been squashed, as they said it has? I, I think it has been squashed as well, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see something come out from Brooks or Bryson publicly about they're over it. They're, they're squashing that. So um, from what I can tell, it's it's over and done with, and everybody's moved on, and Frankly, I think everybody's kind of tired of it, of how that's yeah. still a narrative. And they're both grown men. And, and yes, they could have their differences, but they got to be able to come together and, and play for a team and, and get over their personal issues. So I, I think I think you're going to see a team that's all in for each other and, and ready to go put their heart on the line, put their game on the line for, for this country. I mean, I think it's interesting that we that we do have a lot of fresh young blood, like you've said, but we've got some veterans that have, have played before. Do you, as a new guy, fresh young blood on the team, do you lean on some of those guys for, you know, what to do, how to handle it, how to prepare? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, that, that's kind of, even when I came on the PJ Tour, I, I leaned on Davis a lot. I live, leaned on Zach Johnson a lot, Matt Kuchar, uh, Lucas Glover. I mean, Anytime you can hear some of their stories and their experiences, because they've done this exact same thing that you're doing, I, I think that can only make you more prepared, make you better for handling those situations. And um, I definitely have a list of guys that I, I want to call, past Ryder Cup guys that I want to call this week and and take some tidbits from each of them of, of how they handled certain, certain situations, how they prepare for alternate shot, how they play alternate shot. Um because I, I know they want to help and I know they, they want to see us win next week. So right. um, there, there's definitely five or six, seven guys I want to call and, and bend their ear and, and hear what they have to say. No, you mentioned it earlier. Europe really does seem to get fired up for this. And, and the U S team looks so much better on paper. How do you guys keep from getting a little overconfident when you look at the world golf rankings, every single player on the U S team is in the top 20. And I think they're good. I think they have two. I mean, how do you guys not get overconfident? Yeah, I mean, we see these guys every single week, and we know how good they are. And it's just that. I mean, the, the media looks at it on paper and says the U.S. team is way better, and, and Europe comes into it feeling like they're an underdog every year. They got nothing to lose. They're going to take down the mighty U.S. team. And we don't see it that way. We, we, we play against these guys every single week, and – they've got just as good of players as we do. I mean, match plays a, a totally different game. Um, I, I feel like it's easier coming into it as an underdog and they have that killer mentality and, and we've got to, we've got to get that from them. We, we, we're not, I guarantee you, we're not overconfident. We know, we know what we're up against. Um, we know they're going to hold a lot of big putts. They're going to chip in. They're going to do all the crazy stuff that you see in match play. We just got to be, prepared for that and ready for that. And you, you got to be able to take it on the chin and, and give it right back to them. Um, it's going to be a battle. Um, we, we know, we know we're not that much better than them. We, we know we're better than them, but, but you got to bring it, you got to bring it every single day and, and be ready for anything. 
Do you now? I know you said earlier you, you don't want to say who you think you'll play with, but are there some guys on the team that you just feel more naturally comfortable with playing with when you're in these team situations? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that's a good part of my personality, a, a good part of my game is I, I feel like I can fit with anybody. I, I feel like I do everything pretty well, and um, I mean. On Monday, I played with four other guys, Colin and Tony and Bryson and uh, Scotty Scheffler, four guys who are totally different. And I feel like I get along with all those guys. I could play golf with any of those guys. I, I feel like me and a few other guys on the team can can fit with almost anybody. So it's it's more about mis- mixing and matching of, of who's playing well, who's going to tee off the odd holes, who's going to tee off the even holes. Um, that's where we got to look at the stats to kind of guide us on. These are the guys who, who I should play with and, and kind of right. figure it out in the practice rounds. Are, is, are there some people that you, it has nothing to do with personality? Are there just some guys that you just don't match up well with that you think you'd be better off not playing with? I, I don't think so. I, I literally think I could play with every single guy on that team. Um, other guys may be different. Um, but I, I feel like literally I could play with anybody and I'm going to put it on strict of whatever role he wants me to play, whoever he wants me to play with, whatever time I'm going to be there and give it 110%. Now, how much goes into, for example, you said some guys may play 36 in a day. Is that a case of you, you go to Stricker and say, Hey, I, I'm hitting it so good. I want to play 36 today. Or is it a case of is is he asking you guys who you want to be paired with and how much you want to play? Yeah, I think that's a big key of it is being transparent with Stricker and the captains of, hey, man, I'm not really feeling it today or I'm a little tired. Um, I'm not mentally. Uh, I, I just played a tough match. I, I'm not really mentally ready for the next one. Um, and that, that's what they said to be transparent with them of you could you could play the last four holes and you start flushing it and seeing the lines feeling really comfortable and you're like, man, I'm, I'm ready to go play this next match. Like I'm, I don't care that I just played two matches in a row the past two days. Like I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, so it's a little bit of that on the fly of, of being transparent with those guys and, and really saying you feel good or you don't feel good. Right. Now I know that Stricker has said that uh, Tiger was not able to come out and be on site, but was going to have a part as much as he could into the match. Have you had any contact with Tiger whatsoever or has the team? I, I haven't, but I know him and Stricker have been in contact probably daily. Um, I know Tiger wants to be up there. Um, I don't think, I think him by him coming up there is going to, it's going to be more about him and, and his health. And, and he feels like it would probably take away from the team, um, which I totally understand and, and totally respect. I mean, he's got a, get healthy and, and do his rehab and all that. Um, but I, I know he's going to be a part of the daily conversations and, and Strick is going to talk to him a bunch. I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of guys on the team will be talking to him, if not <clears throat> phoning him in every single night in our team meetings of, of hearing what he has to say. Right. Harris, how will you prepare? So as we sit here today, it is it is Wednesday the 15th. The Ryder Cup starts on the 24th. So we've got nine days. How will you prepare between now and when you leave for Wisconsin? Yeah, it's um, pretty I mean, much. Will you hit balls today? Will you shoot short game? I mean, yeah. what, what, you work yeah, every I'll, day, I'll, I suppose. I'll do a little bit today and, and kind of build up. And we just played um, a good bit of golf the last two days. But 
it's definitely a fine line between between being prepared and and mentally rested because if if i kind of go overboard in my preparation i'll just show up to whistling straights tired and then have to do a whole different prep session with the with all the dinners and all the all the other stuff we have to do like you don't want to show up on friday morning if i'm playing friday morning and and be tired so i I definitely want to be prepared i mean i know zach is going to be here this week. So I might play some alternate shot with him, play some golf with him. I mean, I, I love competing. I love <clears throat> playing holes when I'm on my off week and I'm going to really prepare like I do any other tournament. I, I, it was great seeing whistling straights and knowing what shots I'm going to have around the green, knowing what shots I'm going to have in the greens and, and working on my tee ball. Um, so it's nice to be able to see the course before and, and practice a lot of those shots this week. Right. As far as alternate shot goes, and I, I, there's been a lot of talk of this, and I don't know how important it is, but I want to ask somebody who's going to be a part of it and has played alternate shot. As far as the golf ball goes, if you use a different golf ball than, say, your partner does, how much does that go into play of who's going to hit what shot and when? Because the golf ball does respond differently. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, so when I'm playing alternate shot, I always want to be hitting my golf ball on an approach shot. I think off the tee, it doesn't really matter that much, whether your ball is a little spinny or not spinny, but man, if you have a 165 yard shot, that's when it matters most of controlling the spin, controlling trajectory, especially if it gets a little windy out. So uh, I think the whole strategy is if I'm going to hit the second shot, then my partner is going to tee off with my golf ball and and vice versa when they're hitting the, the second shot. So that's kind of been my, my strategy. Um, I think that's universal for, for the team. Are there any other strategies that go into match play things like that, that, that we really don't normally think about? Um, I mean, that that's where the stats play on, on who tees off odds, who tees off evens of, um, I, I think we calculated, <clears throat> I, I think the front nine, the best putter on an all-star shot team is going to have, eight birdie putts in the first 11 holes. So you want to have your best putter, I think, teeing off evens. If, if that's, if I'm, I can't really remember, but I think that's right. <laughs> it's, but uh, There's so many stats I can completely yeah, see. Yeah, there, there, there's confusing. a lot of stuff like that where it's still, still you got to go out and play golf, but, but right. there's ways to flip the odds in your favor, flip the percentages in your favor a little bit of, of, figuring out what shots guys like and who wants to be putting a lot. When you're hitting that second shot, are you hitting to a spot where, or maybe let's say you're on a par five and you're hitting a second shot. Are you asking your partner like, Hey, where do you want it? Is there a certain place you want me? Do you want to be on this side or that side or here or there? For sure. For sure. And I I think that's, that's where the prep goes in of of playing and playing good bit of golf with your partner of knowing what shots he likes into the greens. Um, because I, I feel like I'm a pretty conservative player, but on par fives, I, I definitely, if, if I have any chance of going with, uh, to the green, I'm going to hit it around the green somewhere because I, I feel like I can get up and down from inside of 30 yards rather than laying it up to 120. I, I feel like my percentages go way up of, of getting a ball up and down around the green. So it's definitely figuring that out with your partner of, of what shots they like because it could be totally different than you. Like they They might rather you 
lay up to 120 yards, they feel like they can get it up and down 60% of the time rather than hitting it up by the green and get an awkward lie. And maybe they're not feeling very good about their chipping. So it's definitely being on the same page with the partner and figuring out their game and, and kind of catering to their game when you're, when you're playing golf. Right. Which also goes back to a pairing, making sure that when, that when Stricker pairs you and the, uh, and the uh, assistant coaches pair guys together, that you put guys together who do work with the same philosophy. Exactly. If you're a guy that likes to hit it up around the green on the second shot, another guy wants to be 120 back. That might not be the best pairing for that match. Yeah. Yeah. And a, and a guy that say is a par five or a par four that it bottlenecks at 310 or something. And, and he's like, man, just hit three wood and just put me in the fairway. I don't care if I have a six iron or a nine iron. Right. Put me in the fairway and I can hit it close to the hole. So, it's I'd be definitely... a good partner on that hole because I don't hit it very far. So I'd be a good partner <laughs> on that hole. I can hit it straight, but I don't hit it far. There, there, there's been... definitely definitely way more strategy that goes into it in an alternate shot. And you gotta you gotta know your partner. You gotta know the strengths of those games, maybe even the weaknesses of those games of, of what makes him uncomfortable. And <clears throat> as we go into next week, and and obviously you're gonna go through some tougher times of losing a couple holes, making a mess of a couple holes. Obviously that's gonna happen, but how does how does he like to be pushed? How to what what does he not like you to say to him? Like that's where I want to know talking to his caddy a lot of, of what makes him tick, what what pumps him up, what should I not say? Right. Because you, you gotta both be on the same page and, and you wanna you wanna be able to push them and, and bring the best out of them, but you also don't want to say something that pisses him off or right. irks him a little bit. So you, so right. you gotta kinda do some homework on on what their personality is and what gets them going what's been your biggest eye-opening moment so far that's different from obviously you've been a Ryder cup fan uh leading up to this you've watched Ryder cup you have these perceptions in your mind of what you expected it would be like what's been the most eye-opening moment and different from what you thought would happen it's just a big production like uh going there this weekend i mean the stages are set up, the bleachers. I mean, it, it's a really, and, and obviously no, no fans were in it yet. So <clears throat> it's a big production. Um, it's weird eating dinner with all these guys and, and being on the same team. You're, they're not trying to kick your ass every single week or you're not trying to beat <laughs> them. It's kind of weird them pulling for you finally of, of, Hey man, playing great. Let's, let's go get it this week. And it's just kind of different of you, you kind of spend all year trying to beat these guys. And, and now you're now you're, you're on the same team doing anything you can for for each other. So it's, it's, uh, it's really cool. I, I haven't been a part of the team like that in 10 years. And it's, and it's, uh, it's really cool. That's, that's what I've missed about playing golf at Georgia or playing golf in the Walker cup in 2011. Yeah, it's definitely a big adjustment because, like you said, used to, you, you go to a golf tournament, it's Team Harris versus Team Everybody Else. Well, now it's Team USA. And so now you're pulling for a guy where if he is struggling a little bit, you're pulling for him to fix it. Or maybe you're even willing to help him a little bit versus usually you're like, hey, I, I, I see something that guy's doing wrong. I'm not saying a word because you want to win that week. Yeah, I mean, there is uh, – I, I plugged a ball on a, on a par four – this week and it was a bad plug. I mean, I was pretty close to the to the pin, but <clears throat> we're we're all kind of teaching each other the different methods of, of how to get off get it out of that line. It's kind of cool 
to see <clears throat> how how guys do it differently because at a regular tournament nobody would really give away their secrets of of how to hit that certain shot so it's you're, you're playing again you're, you're playing with some of the best players in the world and and they're they're kind of giving away their secrets of of how they how they would play that shot so any other tournament if if we're playing in the masters and that happens there's no way they're going to come in there and and show how they do it so that was pretty cool that was pretty cool to see and it shows everybody is on the same page and everybody's collectively playing for for the team that's great until you use that little, little key that he teaches you to beat him in a regular PGA Tour event <laughs> next year. And yeah. he's like, oh, man. But you know what? That, that's just part of the team game and what makes it different. What yeah. I did want to ask you is something that I, I've noticed as I watch, literally, I will watch golf until my it drives my wife nuts. Between college football, pro football, and golf, my wife's like, do I even have a husband? I'm like, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll have to fit dinner in some other time. Um, I've noticed that set up a lot of times you take your right arm and you kind of pull on the crease and your elbow and your left arm when you're setting up, what are you doing exactly? Yeah. It's more for my takeaway. When, when I get off, I would say my club head gets low and inside. I don't have a lot of set to it. So I'm just really working on keeping the club head outside my hands a little bit and, and making sure the club head stays pretty high. Um, because definitely when I get off, my takeaway gets a little fast and my, my hands go a little in and low. And then I'm kind of spending the whole rest of the swing catching up for the fault I have my takeaway. So I've been working with Justin Parsons for probably coming up on three years now. And, and takeaway is, has always been a, a big component of my swing of, of when I do get off, my takeaway gets off. But if my takeaway is good, then the rest of my swing is good. So it's something I've, I've constantly had to work on and, and practice. And that's that's kind of a – your, your feels change, I guess, throughout the year. And um, that has just been a, a feel of mine for the last couple months of, of really feeling the club head staying outside of my hands. Right. I've worked, you know, what's funny is I've taken so many lessons and takeaway is my biggest struggle as well, too. It's, it gets me in a bad position to where I have a lot to fix on the way down. And mine, too, is inside club gets behind my hands and then I was either lifting with my arms instead of turning. And it's just it's crazy how that one little but it makes me feel 10 times better to know that you, a Ryder Cup team, two time winner, <laughs> struggles with the same thing. I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing with golf. I mean, <clears throat> I've been playing this game for a long time, as I'm sure you have, and it's all about maintenance and doing the little things like that every single day to to make it correct when you're when you're feeling the nerves, when you're feeling the pressure to to do all these reps and and to work on this a whole lot where it becomes ingrained and you don't even have to think about it. You know, in case anybody was wondering, the uh, PGA Tour off season has ended. And we are starting <laughs> new season starts tomorrow. Um, I mean, I I love it. I love that we golf is is pretty much year round. Uh, after Ryder Cup, Harris, where will we see you again? Obviously, you'll defend in Hawaii at the Century this year. But where will we see you in the in the fall season? Yeah, I mean, I, I love uh, <clears throat> Napa. This week is is one of my favorite tournaments. It's, it's such a cool place. But getting prepped for the Ryder Cup kind of throws that off a little bit. I, I love the Sanderson Farms tournament in Jackson. It's one of my favorite courses on tour. But again, coming off the Ryder Cup, uh, everybody has said how 
grueling of a week that is, how mentally tired you'll be after that week. So I feel like I'm going to take that week off and then um, playing the two Vegas Vegas tournaments, the Shriners and uh, the CJ Cup. They moved from uh-huh. Korea to Las Vegas this year. So I'll, I'll probably play both of those. And then um, I'll play Mexico and RSM right now. Um, I've, I've played really well in Mexico. I've, I've won there before. And then the RSM <clears throat> tournament's right outside my back door um, here in St. Thomas. So, <laughs> so it's hard to hard to not play that tournament. So I think playing four, if not five, tournaments this fall um, will be it for me. And then um, get started again back at uh, back at Maui. That's awesome. Well, good deal. Enjoy your time, man. I'm telling you, absolute best of luck to you, the rest of the uh, Team USA in the, in the Ryder Cup. And thank you so much for your time. I wish you guys the best. And hopefully we will uh, talk to you next season as a Ryder Cup champion here on the Stripe Show podcast. That'd be awesome. Thanks, Raggy. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, man. Have a good one. And uh, we will be back next week. We will talk to Webb Simpson on the week of the Ryder Cup. Webb Simpson has played in three Ryder Cups. So we'll get some insight on exactly what it's like to play in the Ryder Cup, what we can expect, and what we can expect moving forward from Webb and the PGA Tour. Thanks so much for joining us on another edition the stripe show podcast let's take a second to talk about the folks over at encore golf encore has earned a reputation across the golf industry and with golfers everywhere for its combination of value performance and customer service their team in buffalo new york is flipping the script on golf technology through perimeter weighted balls made with the high density particles and proprietary nano transitional layer offering players enhanced accuracy control, and distance. Encore recently added the Vero X1 to its suite of award-winning golf balls, one that already included the Golf Digest gold-rated Elixir and low-compression Avant 55. Through its full suite of golf balls, Encore can help transform any golfer's game. Visit EncoreGolf.com backslash Travis Fulton for more info about Encore and start revolutionizing your game. Now back to the Stripe Show podcast.